0: Good morning. good morning, welcome to Bridgewater, Tunkanic campus, it's good to have you here this morning. My name is Brett, uh, as Amanda said, I am uh, the executive pastor at Bridgewater, been around for almost 15 years, um, and have watched all this stuff happen to even have Tunkhannock campus and we're excited about that, but it's good to be here. I really do feel like if I came and you guys weren't here, it'd be boring. So I'm glad you're here because I don't want to talk to nobody. That'd be parenting. Um, (laughs) I do have seven children, and uh, I love them all equally. (laughs) That's my words, and I'll stick to it. Um, But it is great to be here. We are in a series called uh, This Is Us. And one series a year, we try to refocus again on why we are how we are. And if you are new here, if you haven't been around long and you're wondering what makes Bridgewater tick, what makes us who we are, why are we doing what we are doing, most of our decisions at Bridgewater come from these five foundational uh, values. Last week, if you weren't around, we, we looked at the first one we give because he gave. And if you didn't get a chance to hear that, please go on our website or on our Bridgewater app and listen to that because it brings clarity to why we give our talents, gifts, abilities, time to the things we do. Um, and today, we're gonna look at the second value, save people, serve people. I wanna start with a little uh, a little story. Uh, one of the guys I went to school with at BBC wrote this book about reaching your community and <clears throat> he's writing about Uh, reaching your community but he in there he shares a story about this race and there's a race across Indiana it's a bike race they start the Illinois border and go to the Ohio border in one day 160 miles and they seem to have a great time (laughs) I don't know how you love spending your Saturdays I don't think I would want to do this one if it was ride your four wheeler across Indiana I'd be all in ride your atv you know ride your jeep i don't know i can think of a lot of ways this would be fun i just can't imagine walking for the next week and a half or sitting um, after this this bike ride but he enjoys it obviously a bunch of other people do too because there's thousands of people who do this and in this book here's what he writes Uh, he writes seasoned participants often talk about the quality of the rest stops Spread out every 30 miles or so, local volunteers and small communities take great pride in preparing a delightful assortment of iced beverages and high-energy snacks for the riders. Cyclists' families and friends also use these designated places to meet their loved ones and cheer them on. The atmosphere is electric because of the convergence of civic pride and athletic accomplishment. There's nothing quite like getting off your bike and having a complete stranger hand you a cold drink in an energy bar Along with a pat on the back and an encouraging word. The various stops along the route even have a friendly competition between communities to see which can serve the riders best. On this particular afternoon, as a group of us were coming to one of the final stops, I spotted a beautiful church building in the distance with a large parking lot. As a pastor myself, I wondered if any of the members of that congregation would be joining their friends and neighbors to serve the athletes and their families. I started making mental connections between a vacant church parking lot on a Saturday afternoon and a host of people needing a place to park for a few minutes to serve and celebrate the ones they love. As the scene came into clearer focus, I saw a man dragging a wooden sawhorse down the church driveway with a handmade sign hastily affixed to one end. He was on a mission for sure. As I got closer, I wondered what the church was doing in order to serve all the bikers, their families, and their community. What an opportunity to make an impact for Jesus. Unfortunately, when I reached the church driveway and could see the wooden sawhorse, there was a sign on it that said, no parking allowed here. Unfortunately, most of the churches in America have kind of adopted this uh, this mindset, say no unless you have to say yes. And in our communities, most churches would have this sign at the end of their driveway. And, and I get it. This option is much more convenient and much less controversial. I mean, I, I have been in board meetings where you end up here, and and. Somebody says, do you understand, though, those people? There's so many people. They're just going to throw their garbage everywhere. What are we going to do with that? There's church tomorrow. Though, some of those people are going to back on the grass. Then there's ruts in the grass, and Tony's trying to mow the lawn. He's going to bump, He's not going to want to do that. Who's going to smooth out the ruts? What if a little kid is running and falls and scrapes his knee we're liable we don't want that kind of responsibility so let's just slowly back away and the question they operate with is do we have to do something or could we just put a sign out on a sawhorse That, that's not the only reason we have this value at Bridgewater, but our value is saved people serve people, and it's it's driven by what Jesus said to do. But it changes our mindset. And the question then at Bridgewater that we would be wrestling with all the time is: if Bridgewater closes its doors tomorrow, does the community even know that we're gone? Do they even care? if Bridgewater, Tuncanic, Montrose, Halstead, Conklin, Vestal, if we shut them all down and moved away, would it be a non-story? Or would the community be picketing out here saying, no, no, don't let them go. Save people, serve people. And if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to join me in John 13. We're going to look at what Jesus said specifically about serving people. And this, this core value comes right from John 13. Little background, Jesus is there in a room with his 12 disciples. They were the closest ones to him. They'd been hanging around with him for three years. Um, they're having a meal, it's Passover season. Passover was a, a holiday that, that the, the, the Jewish people celebrated. It was remembering what happened 1,500 years earlier when, when God delivered the Israelites from Egypt and slavery. They'd been slaves for 430 years and God delivered them. And then they were supposed to celebrate God's deliverance. And so that's what Jesus was doing. They were having a Passover meal, Jesus and his disciples, and that's kind of the setting. And what I'd like us to do is I'd like us to see three things that Jesus models today. And all of these feed into this core value, saved people and that he had come from God and was returning to God. I want to stop here quickly and, and point out two things. Um, <clears throat> there, there are two things, I think, that, that are in these verses that quickly, that, that I think set up the save people, serve people better. The first one is Jesus knew <clears throat> exactly what was going to happen in, in the next 24 hours. And, and he, he had 24 hours or less to live. And so when, you, when we read this, John 13, we have to recognize that, that what Jesus is saying in these 24 hours is very, very important. I don't know if, if you've thought about this before, but if you knew in 24 hours your life was going to be over, how would that affect exactly what you were going to say and exactly whom you were going to talk with? Like, would I be at a baseball game shooting the breeze? <laughs> Probably not. I think I'd be pretty intentional that that I'm going to get with Nick and I'm going to be like, all right, Nick, hey, here are the seven things that I really hope that you talk to Nicole about once I'm gone. Or, or, hey, I just want you to just think about how intentional you would be. And I think Jesus was the same way. I think these verses, we need to turn our focus up when we look at chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, because not that these verses are more important than the rest of the Bible verses in the Bible, But I think Jesus was being very intentional about what he left his disciples with. The second thing I would say is, Jesus enters the room knowing what's going to happen in the lives of those men. He knows Judas Iscariot sitting right over here. And and Judas has already cut a deal with the enemy to betray Jesus. He knows Peter sitting over here is gonna betray him, deny that he knows him. That's important information when we see what happens next. So verse 4. It says, So Jesus got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Okay. <clears throat> Let's talk about feet. I can't think of feet very long without becoming less and less enthused. <laughs> like there's, there isn't much about feet that makes me really, really joyful. And, and the fact that Jesus was going to start with the feet is kind of disgusting. So, in Bible times, there's no Nikes, there's either sandals or bare feet and dirt and dust, it's worse than that. There's donkeys, and horses, and oxen, all traveling the same roads. And all three of those animals do certain things after eating (laughs) and walking. You know what I'm talking about. Feet were very dirty in this time. There is a reason why foot washing was something that the lowest of the low servants did. In fact, sometimes, we're told sometimes it was the children of the servants who had to wash the feet. Because it was disgusting. It was nasty. It was awful. (laughs) Everyone who walked in that room had walked past probably the water basin and the towel. And probably some of them thought, hey, going to get my feet washed. It's going to be a good night. I haven't had them washed since I was at that whatever, whatever, whatever. You know, you think about how often are they washing their feet? But Jesus did something here. And I think this is our first example that we need to highlight. Um, Jesus did the dirty work. Save people, serve people means we have to do the dirty work. It is... It is dirty sometimes, serving people. It is hard, sometimes, serving people. This is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the creator of the universe, taking action to do something very humble and washing his disciples' feet. It was dirty, and, and save people serve people. That's like, a, ooh, a cool phrase oh, uh, no, it's, it's dirty. It's making a choice to come out. A couple a few weeks ago, we had a, a Be the Church Day, and we all went out into our community. Over 170 of you in Tonkana campus went out in your communities. You wore those orange orange shirts that say, don't just go to church, be the church, and you served your community. My wife and I and our two youngest kids went to a park and play. No, we didn't play. Um, we took our garbage bags, and we picked up garbage, and my kids picked up cigarette buds and threw them in the bag and other disgusting things. Why? Because saved people serve people. Many of you did that kind of thing, dirty work serving the community on that day. Thank you for that. Great job. That's, That's living out why we think Bridgewater exists. Save people serve people. And, and I, I will say this, I'll stop and say, I, I think you guys are doing a great job in Tunkhannock making an impact for Christ. I think, I think Kurt and Adam are doing a great job setting examples of save people, serve people in this community. I want to commend them. But, but good job to you guys too. Great job serving the community. Jesus says, do the dirty work. We're, you know It's, it's hard on on Christmas in your hometown. It's cold, and you're handing out hot chocolate to strangers. Halloween night, 700 kids came in here last year to to have a wonderful experience on Halloween night. We're giving out candy and and a bounce house and a movie, and, and we are trying to give them a fun night. You could be at home doing fondue with your family, but you're serving. I just made that up. I grew up in a pastor's home, and back in the 70s, we would shut the lights off and make sure everybody thought we were gone. (laughs) And we would have fondue in the basement. (laughs) Now I'd say save people, serve people. If you have thousands of people in the community that are out, and it's a holiday that we don't have to create or pay for, let's serve them. And you guys are going to. Great job. Tunkhannock will represent I think, I think save people, serve people means we do the dirty work, but it's even more than that. And Jesus, this is the hardest one of, of these three lessons. Jesus gives us an example because not only did he do the dirty work, but he knew the people he was about ready to do the dirty work to. And he knew their hearts. And he still served them. I, I, think, I think not only do we have to do the dirty work, but we have to serve our enemies. Serve your enemies. (laughs) I uh, I don't like this one, all right? And I'll be honest. I I don't want you to think that, ah, he's a preacher. He must have this all together. He just goes and serves everybody all the time. No, I'm an idiot. (laughs) My wife is right there. You may ask her later. (laughs) I don't like to serve people. I'm selfish. I don't mind serving people who love me. Sometimes I don't mind serving people sometimes who serve me sometimes. But I don't want to serve people who are are jerks. I don't want to serve people who stab me in the back or who have betrayed me. Some of you could think of your workplace and you're like, I'm not serving people there. You don't know those people. I'll tell you what, if you knew those people, you'd know Jesus had an exception clause. (laughs) I want everybody to serve except at that workplace (laughs) because... He wouldn't even serve those people. All right, but but the problem is Jesus knew exactly who he was serving. He knew Judas Iscariot was sitting right there and he washed his feet. Even though Judas, in a few hours, was going to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And Jesus was going to be wrongfully accused and put to death on a cross. He could look at Peter in that room and say, I'm not going to wash his feet because he's going to deny he ever knew me in a few hours at my time of greatest need. Peter's going to cuss and swear and say, I don't know that blankety, blanky blanking man. Why are you putting me with him? Three times he's going to deny that he knows me. Why would I wash his feet? I'm not going to wash some of these guys' feet because they're the ones who are going to run from the garden when the soldiers come. They're going to hightail it out of here. They're going to return to their other jobs, and they're going to act like they weren't even my follower. I'm not going to wash those guys' feet because I'm going to take them to the Garden of Gethsemane and ask them to pray because I'm really struggling. And they're going to fall asleep. And I'm going to go and wake them up and I'm going to go and pray and they're going to fall asleep again and Jesus served them and it bugs me so much because it leaves me without excuse and serving is, is definitely counterintuitive it's, it, it definitely swims upstream in our society but Jesus knew their hearts and he still washed their feet Save people, serve people. This isn't just about serving people who are great. This is about serving everybody. There, there's an interesting word here that starts this, this uh, phrase, saved people. This is not people serve people. And I, I think the distinction is, is huge. The only reason we can serve is, is because of that first word, saved. The only way it makes sense is with that first word, saved. People serving people, that's, that's almost impossible. Let me, let me explain. Some of you might be sitting there thinking, well, I don't even know what saved means. you, you throw this word around. What does it mean? Well, in, in John 13, like I said, Jesus was about 24 hours from dying on a wooden cross. And he was going to willfully, willingly die in order to pay the price for our sins. Um, man is a sinner, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned. We all deserve to die because of our sin. We all deserve separation from God. And that sin separates us from a relationship with God, and and I think sometimes I underestimate, we probably underestimate the significance of our sin. Uh, We forget that a just and perfect God can't simply sweep our sin under the carpet and go on living or helping run a perfect universe. It's it's not possible. So I just want to look at John three sixteen. John three sixteen says that um, for This is how God loved the world. God's love is so remarkable because he loved us for who we are, not for what we will become. He loves us in spite of who we are. And God's love doesn't hinge on what we've done. God loves us. Secondly, God's gift that he gave his one and only son. Because we sinned, we deserve to die and be separated from God forever. The Bible says that God gave his son to take our punishment on the cross. Jesus died to pay the price that was required for our sins so that we could have forgiveness. God's love, God's gift, and then thirdly, John 3.16 talks about God's offer. It says, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. See, everyone who places our trust in Jesus to save us as our only way to heaven and forgiveness will be forgiven from all our sins and have eternal life. This is how we can serve then. Once we understand the depth of Jesus' sacrifice, we serve out of gratitude. Now, if you have questions about that and and you want to know how Jesus could be your forgiver and your leader I would love to talk to you more about that. I I would love to go to God's word and and show you what he says about forgiveness and hope. Um, Many others around here, would. anybody with a a lanyard that that says their name would love to talk to you more about that Um, because that is most important. And ultimately, that is necessary for saved people to serve people. Jesus gives us another example. Not only does he show us that he does the dirty work, not only does he show us (laughs) that he serves his enemies, but he goes on in verse 12. Look what it says here. It says, When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightfully so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet... You also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Jesus is, is telling them to go serve each other. He's saying, Go serve each other. That third lesson would be to live as Jesus lived. Do the dirty work, serve your enemies. And then live as Jesus lived. Jesus says here, hey guys, what I just did for you, yeah, go do that. You wanna be a good follower of Jesus? Go do that. I don't think he was saying take a, base, a, a, a basin of water and go and wash everybody's feet. I think he was saying humble yourselves and serve people. You wanna be like Jesus? Serve people. Look weird. Says, Peter wrote, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they're gonna see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Live that way. Well, what does that look like? Save people, serve people. Gordon MacDonald said it this way: You can tell whether you are becoming a servant by how you act when people treat you like one. Do you get that? You can tell whether you're becoming a servant by how you act when people treat you like one. Moms, when you're treated like a servant by your children at home. Employees, when you're treated like a servant at your workplace... You'll be able to tell how well you're doing on the saved people, served people in those very moments when you're being demeaned to feel like a slave or a servant yourself. And that's just hard to do, isn't it? It's just hard to do. Matthew 20, 28 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life a ransom for many. You know, Jesus somehow put his needs above the needs of everyone else and humbled himself as a servant. Well, that's why at Bridgewater, that is one of our five foundational core values. Because followers of Jesus serve people. Burger King, 1922 came, or uh, I'm sorry, not 1922, uh, 2022 came up with a brand new slogan. It used to be "Have it your way," and in 2022 they came up with this one: "You rule." See, you can say "Have it your way," but sometimes it doesn't come the way I wanted it, and the onions are still on it. And I thought they said "Have it your way," but "You rule" is different. You rule puts me at the center of the universe. So even if they accidentally put onions on my burger, I still rule. <laughs> Just do it. You deserve a break today. All of these slogans put me in the center of the universe. You know, our world, <laughs> our world definitely does not see how serving people makes a difference. Burger King certainly doesn't think that way. And yet, sometimes this, you rule, impacts our lives as followers of Jesus. And we start thinking, well, I follow Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. And that means I should get some benefits. Nobody's serving me like they should. Don't they know I have needs? And even in the Bible, we see people were following Jesus for the wrong reasons. They were saying, yeah, I'll be a follower of Jesus because look, he's healing people, he's feeding everybody. I like loaves and fishes, I'm following him. He's like, no, 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 that's not it at all. And I gotta be honest with you, there, there are, oftentimes there are people who come to Bridgewater who say, well, I, yeah, but you don't understand the, the temperature, it was too hot in that church. We have people every week, Every week, who say, ah, the room was too hot. You know what? Every week we have people who say, ah, the room was too cold. Great. Great. There was too much scripture in that sermon. There was not enough scripture in that sermon. These chairs are great because you can take them down, you can put them back up. These chairs stink because they make me hurt. You know, if there was a little more room to sit, if there was not enough room to sit, I'm like, what? It's all about serving it's not about getting my dad said uh one time years and years and years ago to my brother and i he said you can either be you can either be a thermometer or you can be a thermostat he said anybody can tell the temperature of the room very few people want to do the hard work of changing the temperature And I think that's what this means. Saved people serve people. Saved people make a difference. It's It's the difference between a bib and an apron. See, many followers of Jesus just put on this bib, this specific one actually, And uh, it's like going to a fine dining restaurant, and you lay that thing out over your lap, and you're like, oh, man, serve me. Now is the time. Yeah, you're at like a 15% tip. Serve me more. Now you're at a 22% tip. Nice job. You know, it's all about serving me. And, And we put a bib on as we walk through our Christian lives sometimes. And we get all bent out of shape because we're not being served like we deserve. and i wonder whether instead of putting a bib on we need to put on an apron and we need to say you know what how can i serve you that's what jesus did there's a difference between a bib and an apron and and quite honestly it is hard to serve in our communities because people in our communities they don't think like us they don't act like us they don't look like us they they don't believe like we do and 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 part of serving and humbling ourselves is is really serving people that are hard to serve but but you don't understand they they have a different view of Donald Trump than I do. They have a different view of Joe Biden than I do. They have a different view of LGBTQ than I do. They have a different view of abortion than I do. They have a different view of taxes than I do. They have a different view of, of Facebook than I do. do. You know what they post on their Facebook? I can't believe what they post, post on their Facebook. They have a different view of raising children than I do. They, who cares? The Bible doesn't say serve people if they agree with you and act like you, Jesus says just just serve people. And it's going to be hard. But you know what? It'll make a huge difference. And when they talk about your church and they talk about your church moving on or closing down, people will be out front saying, "We don't want Bridgewater to close down." Do you know what they do? In our community, we wouldn't be where we are without them. And we would say, "That's God." That's awesome. We want God here. We want salt and light in Tuncanic, Montrose, Halstead, Vestal, Conklin, other places. And we're a group of saved people and we serve people. It's foundational to Bridgewater. And it's a lot of why we do what we do. So What? so how does this impact me when I leave these doors? Well, I, I, I really can't imagine what this principle applied in all of our lives would do to our marriages, to our families, to our workplaces, to our communities, to our church, to our neighborhoods. I, I can't imagine it would have a profound impact for God. So let's go through a few. In my family, what is that chore today that you need to go home, put an apron on and just do it? Men, we need to do it without announcing it. (laughs) Hey honey, remember the dishes that were in the dishwasher? I got the kids to put them away (laughs) we need to serve today in our families what about in our communities in our communities we need to serve there are unmet needs in all of our communities that that we might be able to play a role in meeting maybe it's your whole small group and you say as a small group we're gonna meet this need we went out last week for Be the Church and, or a few weeks ago, and we loved it so much. Every quarter, we're going to do it. And we're going to take our small group, we're going to meet this need in the community. Awesome. That's being like Jesus. What about uh, in your neighborhood? Well, this is our neighborhood. We are here, and this is our neighborhood around here. And we need to serve them. So how can you do that? That may be that Open House Sunday on September 17th. We're gonna do some big things and we're gonna invite everybody back to to come to Bridgewater and um, it's like a back to school time and we've created this thing that that we do um, called Open House. And there are serving opportunities to serve our community. What about Halloween? Serving opportunities to serve our neighborhood. After that, um, Tunkanek in my hometown, Serving our community, serving our community, serving, what are those areas um, to serve our community? What about here in the church? And I think that's part of it. I don't think that's all of it, though. Serving each other is kind of easy compared to serving out there. I think it's both and. I was at the Hartford Fair on Wednesday and a police officer came up to me and we were talking and, and he said, uh, he had heard about Somebody at Bridgewater that helped out a guy, and he said, He said, You know the difference between the people who go to Bridgewater and other people? You people talk about helping people, and then you actually show up and do what you're talking about. Praise God. Thank you. That's not a reflection on me. That's a reflection on you. Thank you for living in your communities, for living in the trenches and for serving people. Not because we're good people, because we're saved people. Let's pray. Father, I wanna thank you so much for allowing uh, us to have a Bridgewater in Tunkhannock. I wanna thank you for the examples that Jesus gave us. God, this one's hard, and I don't want to sugarcoat it and make it seem easy. This is a hard one. Serving people, people are hard to serve a lot of the time. Help us represent you well by serving in a way that pleases you. And God, we want to give you glory. We want you to get glory. We don't want to be a big show. We just want to be salt and light in our community and in the people's lives around us. Help us represent you well in our families, at our workplace, in our community. And ultimately, I pray you'd save a bunch of people because of it. In Jesus' name, amen.